You're listening to the Felony Inc. podcast on the Startup Radio Network. In America, we live in a society that houses the largest inmate population on earth. And the current cost of mass incarceration via the prison industrial complex is incalculable. So anything that can be done to help curb the recidivism rate is incredibly valuable. That's what we attempt to do, one show at a time and one guest at a time. Each week, we interview felons and non-felons attempting to make the world a better place for those currently incarcerated, families, and communities affected by the big business of prison. Felony Inc. Podcast airs every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another riveting edition of Felony Inc. Podcast. I'm your host, DJ Dick Hennessy, as always, joined by my co-host, Meg Thibodeau. How are you doing today, Meg? I'm doing pretty great, Dick. It's always nice to see your face on this Zoom call from my quarantine, and uh, it's great to have our guest today. I'm very excited about this show. Yeah, me too. And it's also a little bit lighter weather today in Portland, which I like, you know, not too, a little subtle summer day, <laughs> finally. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm very excited about this guest today. Uh, our guest, of course, is none other than Marcus Bullock, CEO of FlickShop app. Uh, Marcus Bullock has also been a TED Talk speaker in 2017-2019. Uh, he is also included in the Route 100 Most Influential and Washington Business Journal 40 Under 40. Marcus, how are you doing today? Hey, what's going on, guys? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me back on the show you know, it's like my second time. I feel like I'm a vet here. Yeah. Well, uh, you were previously on episode number 26, and that was with a different host. So it's kind of new host, same show, different show. So typically how we do it is uh, a little bit of your background. Since you did that before, I'll kind of give a little bit of your background. Essentially, you did eight years in federal prison at the age of 15. Not federal prison. I was in Virginia State. I was in Virginia State Prison. Ah, Virginia State Prison. Sorry about that. And um, after you got out, you uh, started working at a paint shop, if I remember correctly. And uh, you kind of got the light bulb moment in your head where you're like, wait a minute, you know, I could do this better and I could do this more efficiently and I could help people. And uh, you started uh, your own construction company uh, essentially after that, correct? I mean, you make me sound so much more brilliant than I, you know, than I was, that, you know, at that time. Um, but we'll, we'll go with your version of it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we can go with like the seed of your brilliance was already apparent. <laughs> you know, I, you know, I, I've always been, you know, I've always enjoyed, you know, and had fun and almost everything that I had, I've been blessed to be able to work on. And so, um, that's a big part of it. That's the one of my, that's one of my secrets. Don't tell anybody though. <laughs> we'll cut that part. We'll edit that part out. God forbid <laughs> yeah. people know that joy and enjoyment is the key to happiness in life. <laughs> Love what that. you do. <laughs> so uh, real quick, Flick Shop, uh, the mission statement is keeping families that suffer from incarceration connected. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about Flick Shop right now for the people that are just uh, hearing this for the first time? Yeah, big man. Look, we, it's very simple. We want to help keep families connected to their incarcerated loved ones and do it affordably and easily. We share so much content, um, whether it be on our Instagram, or our Facebook, Snapchat, my TikTok is popping. Now, I don't really TikTok, but my niece and nephews do. And some of the people who I follow are like freaking amazingly brilliant. I'm going to get at some point, we're going to build a TikTok audience. But the reality of it is, is that my cousin, one of my boys, one of my best friends, that are sitting in those cells, all of that joy and that fun moment that we had, they don't get a chance to share in that. And we wanted to be able to create an easy way for our loved ones, including myself, to uh, the way to be able to take up same picture, add some quick text, press send. Uh, we take that picture in text, and instead of it living on a screen that you can scroll and double tap on, we print it on a real tangible postcard and we ship it to any person in any sale anywhere in the country. Brilliant. That's a great idea. You know, I, I say it for my grandma too. <laughs> for the you record. know what, Meg is this? No, no, Meg is this fun. No, you know it's crazy, right? Because 
you know, I'm, I'm learning that so many people use FlickShop, so, for, so many other use cases, right? Like people use FlickShop to send postcards to their loved ones and send your housing. They use FlickShop to send um, postcards to their kids when they're their sleepaway summer camps. Back when we had summer camps, people would send FlickShops to their folks in basic training when they're in the military. Like they use it for the, our postcards for a number of different reasons. Just to send one, you know, to, you know, whoever, right? I send, I send postcards to my family members all the time. I mean, I'm the CEO, right? Like, so I love it. But um, it, we designed it because we knew that while I'll, I'll send tons of postcards to like my cousins and my aunts, like, you know, I'm going to send to my boys, like I'm going to send them one every day. And I want to, cause I want them to share in every moment. And, and, and we wanted to be able to do it affordably. You know what I mean? Like phone calls cost a lot. You know, you buy these stamps on some of these tablets, they cost a lot. Like a lot of this stuff is like, is this this designed to be predatory on the family members? And um, we want to figure out a way to disrupt that. That's amazing. I mean, our system is really built on taking from the poor, taking from the oppressed. How much can we get from these people? And there's so, it's there's so much room. I mean, so much room for us to actually figure out new ways to support and uplift people so that they can really do well with themselves in their lives. We share so much content. Yeah, it's amazing. The more content, the more we switch to digital content, I think we even take for granted how much we consume, how much we learn about each other's lives without even trying. And people sitting in prisons, they are just truly, truly left out of the loop. And this is just such an amazing tool to help people stay and feel connected to their friends and family. And like you yeah, said, no, you can do you, it every you. single day. I mean, you Every can really I mean, up level and we know that getting mail in prison <laughs> is the highlight of the day. You know, you get mail, it means the world to you. You go respond immediately. Folks on the outside, they get busy. It takes time to write a letter. When you're inside, that's sometimes your whole life, whole lifeline. The, the, the thing of it is, it's, it's, it's the human, it's the other, it's the interaction with someone else or something else outside of the same four walls you see or the same 900 people you see. Right. Because those same 900 people you see or, or 100 people are having people on you that live on your that live in your housing unit on your compound. Like they become a, an extension of the rocks that you see on a wreck yard. Right. Like these are all these are all while my best friends, my brothers, they were the same people you saw every day. So every time my mom or a cousin or a friend would write me when I was in prison, it gave me an extension to the world that you and I take for granted every day because when we leave out of our home, there's always new, fresh content. We right. always, we, we go to Target and, you know what I mean? Like you bump into, you know, hundreds of people daily, right? But in prison, you're not bumping to a hundred fresh new people every day. You know what I mean? And so that extension of being able to see the world through that lens is what we want to be able to capture. And we're excited that our users are sending these postcards. Like they just send random pictures of anything and say, I thought you wanted to see this. Or look at this kid or so-and-so. Or look at this. Or these shoes were on sale. I want to know if you think like pair A or pair B, right? Like it was including people in your life that way, the same way that you would do it through to someone else's DM. Um, it's important. And it's millions of people that are suffering and, and, and we want to help them. I think even that shoe piece is a really interesting uh, point to bring up because people don't realize that in prison, it's not only the fishbowl of the same people that you see every day. Every single one of those people is wearing the same outfit. Every single one of your walls is the same color. Everything that everyone owns is a repeat. You know, you all own the same radio and the same pens and the same. So the prison environment becomes incredibly monochromatic and devoid of any kind of new content. And you're lucky even some folks can't see outside prison walls. And if you can get into a yard, what you do see of nature is incredibly minimal. So it, the, the need for that stimulation and connection is powerful and even goes beyond that personal contact. So to be able to help your friend pick a pair of shoes or look at some random thing out in the world, it means more than people realize. Absolutely. No, I always I, made I, a joke that if we made yeah. a, to make a real movie, like you got Orange is the New Black, you got all these like crazy films about being in prison, but really the, the real film about being in prison would be to just focus on like a cinder block for three or four hours. And maybe people would start to understand the mind numbing boredom <laughs> and of being wow. what, what it's really like in prison, right? It's just yeah. nothing happens. 
Yes. Now I always talk Absolutely. about during the show, I, I try to, uh, as often as possible, talk about the importance of writing uh, your loved ones or friends and family that are incarcerated. Um, the one thing I like about Flick Shop is the fact that, you know, if you ask people, hey, why haven't you, uh, you know, wrote so-and-so, you know, it's locked up right now. It's like this whole process. You have to write it down. You have to go to the <coughs> post office. You have to buy postage. You have to remember the exact mailing address. Flick Shop knocks all that out, right? Exactly, exactly. We we knew that that was those were the barriers that I had. Like when I like when we started Flick Shop, I wish I had like some again, these fancy stories that you know what I mean, like you know, people you'll read about someone wrote in an interesting way about how I started Flick Shop. It was really because my boys were calling me and like, bruh, you're like living your life and you don't act like you don't remember when your mom used to write you letters and send you pictures. And I would promise them. I'm like, yo, real talk. Yeah, no doubt I'm a senior. Because everybody know it count time, that four o'clock count. Everybody know you're looking for mail. You know what I mean? Like mail call is, you know what I mean? Mail talk, like it's, it's literally like hitting the lottery. And so I, am I on my, when I'm on my phone, I'm like, yeah. And, and if you know anyone that's incarcerated, you've all experienced that moment when they're asking you, please send me pictures. And you're like, man, like, all right, I'm going to get to it. No doubt. I got it. Real talk. I'm a pr- And you know, in my head, I know the pictures I'm going to send and everything. But somehow getting from I'm going to send them to them actually ending up in an envelope with a stamp on them and getting them out the door is virtually impossible. And I felt like um, it it got to the point where I was like ducking phone calls. I was like, yeah, I'm I'm not going to accept the one this time because I know he's going to ask me about the pictures. And it's like Christmas is like next week. So I know he's going to want to see pictures of the kids. So I'm going to just wait until after New Year's. I'm going to accept this call then. I'll be like, yo, by that time I should be having to printed the pictures, put them in the mail, be like, yo, look, the pictures on the way, bro. Like, yeah, right? I still didn't do it, even after all that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was like, you know what? There has to be an easier way. And, and, and I, you know, like I said, like you said earlier, like I was literally painting houses and installing granite tops in kitchens. I had no idea how to build a mobile app. I literally Googled how to build a mobile app. And I started designing in my mind how, what are the barriers that I have to sending pictures? And, and I started, and then I'm like, yo, but a picture is like perfect, right? But what's dope about Facebook and Instagram is that you can also put one of your, a, a little trickle of your thinking into that photo in, in the form of a caption. And how can we replicate that same level of communication with people that in there and and that's when we came up with the actual design of a postcard and that's what formulated the idea of the app and i you know i'm I'm grateful that what now what eight years later now we have this you know really really cool tool that families are are loving all over the world i mean in my opinion it's absolutely brilliant you know and uh i just honestly i can't thank you enough for coming up with this concept man because you know i know back in the 90s when you had to write someone send them a picture you had to go take a picture get developed even in 2006, 2007, around then, you had to print out a picture. You know, if you were out, if you were at, you know, your toner was running low on the printer, it was a whole thing. And uh, I mean, man, you really just consolidated every single excuse people have for not writing people and sending them pictures. And, and it's just evaporated. Now it's just a pipeline, right? Streamline situation, send them whatever you want, as much times as you want. And in fact, uh, obviously, Flick Shop is 100% free uh, download in Google Play Store and, uh, or, Apple Store, Google Play. Um, right now, if you sign up, if you download it, I just downloaded it. You get a free, your first time's free using it, which is a really cool thing. Kind of the first one get you hooked. And then uh, after you see the convenience and ease of it, you just continue to do so. Um, and one thing I like about yeah, it too I mean, is, but you know what? You know, you know why we did the free Flick Shop credit? Because that wasn't always the case. We, all, we didn't no. always. We, <clears throat> I knew I'm like, look, it's 99 cents. Like, we gonna actually put the stamp on it and mail it for you, and it's only ninety nine cents. If you buy more, I miss seventy nine cents. You know, what I mean? so I knew it was like mad affordable. But the reason why we added a free one was because folks couldn't believe how affordable it really was, and like if it really worked, because it seemed too gimmicky. It was like yeah. ninety nine cent, and you gonna do all that for ninety nine cent, and the, the, there was some, a bunch of skepticism that we had. So we were like, look. You know what? Now, for real, I promise you, we're not trying to steal your dollar. We really just want you to stay in contact with your husband. You know what I mean? Right. And so um, we were like, you know what? I want you to just try it first. Just try it. 
And if you try it, and I guarantee you, in your mind, you're like, okay, that was cool. It was four or five clicks, whatever, right? On their side, the moment that their name is called for mail call, and what they're going, your res- their, resp- their response, when they call you, and they're like, oh, my God, I just got that picture. Watch with that. Now you're going to see what that 99 cent did. 99 cent is going to cause their the whole entire data change. And then you're going to be like, oh, wow. Huh. I really should be doing this. I literally can do this every day. Now I can make him feel this way every single day. This is an easy one. Let's go. And it fits right in with where we're ha- our habits are with our social media and our app use already. So some of that, like we're talking about, printing, toner, mailboxes, stamps, as much as we still want to keep that stuff alive, it just simply isn't in our daily habits anymore. Like it's hard to find a pen and a piece of paper, right? (laughs) Like, (laughs) do we go by envelopes regularly? Like it just (laughs) is a different time than it used to be. And so to make something that fits in to the habits we have in our modern day lives and relationships with technology, not only does it sound easy, it's actually fun. It's like using Instagram. It's like using an app that's a good time and you can make somebody's day. It's really, really special that having your name called during mail call, like you said, it is like winning the lottery. It makes the whole day feel like something really great happened. Yeah, yeah. So Marcus, how many folks do you have working for you? So we have a team of four people here domestically and we have uh, three developers um, offshore. Awesome. Do you uh, hire folks that have been incarcerated? Do you have stuff in in place to do that? Yeah. So it's almost like that was like the prerequisite. That was always back in the days when I still had the, the construction company. Like when people come into the office, I'm like, you know, oh, you know, I have this and I have all these amazing credentials and that's awesome. And, you know, they tell the story and I'm like, you know, oh, you know, there's a bunch of people here to have felonies. Is that an issue for you? Like, oh, <laughs> what, what kind of what kind of felonies? I'm like, well, you probably are the best fit for this company because that's including me. So, and then, right, like you know, it was almost like you know, we you know, it was almost we preferred that you had a felony to come work for any of our brands. And so, the Flick Shop School of Business, which grew out of Flick Shop, um, that became the tool that allowed us to be able to go back inside of. Um, some of the local uh, the local jails and a couple of the prisons here um, in the D.C. area and teach entrepreneurship classes because we want to be able to leverage the lessons that I learned along the journey and be able to take them back into the men and the women that were in those cells and say, hey, listen, real talk, like you can do it too. I'm a, I, I, I was doing an eight-year bid just a few, you know what I mean, a few years ago, right? So I want to help you. Not only do I want to tell you that you can do it, but here are some of the lessons that I learned. Here are some of the systems that we built in order to be able to build a sustainable and growing business. Here are, you know what I mean? And, and that became a tool that we had to be able to hire only returning citizens to be able to lead that company or lead that part of the company because um, we knew that the the messaging, the core messaging was I understand where you are right now in your life, and I want you to be able to see something different than what you typically see um, when people talk about what you know the reentry process looks like. It, it, it seems or it sounds like you must settle for what the community says that you must have. No, no, no. Let me tell you how we did it, and we said like we aren't not only we're going to settle, but we're going to have these dreams and these aspirations, not even knowing where they're going to take us. I told you I had no idea it was going to land me running a tech company, right? But these are the, the the steps that we took in order to be able to prepare for that. Um, and, and, and again, that's only led by an all returning citizen um, team. Well, those are the folks that have the true passion. I mean, just like you're lighting me and Dick right up with this idea. Even years after being incarcerated, I have such tremendous gratitude for what you're doing because it's deeply understood. And folks that have, uh, you know, you just either understand or you don't. Folks that have not been through the criminal justice system, it's abstract for them as much compassion as they have, as they may yeah. have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I honestly, man, like, I wish that there were, you know, how, there were so many people who I was like, yo, I want to do this. And I was reading, like, I was reading every magazine, every business book, every newspaper, right? I'm like studying the stock market, planning stock market games. I was, you know, the last, especially like toward the last few years of my bed, like I was like really on it. And, you know, 
I all I would write letters to people who are out in the community, business leaders who I, you know, found in the magazine. I would ask my mom to trace them down and find any address for them. Like I would write the people. I I, I wrote Dame Dash and Jay Z on the using the address on the back of a Rockefeller Records. Um, I mean Rockefeller Records office address off the back of a cassette tape because I'm like, yo, I wanted to try to find somebody, and I didn't even know who the somebody was, but I'm like, yo, somebody just to tell me. Is this business plan a good idea? Am I on the right path of thinking about how I should be building this? How should I be thinking about coming home and starting a company, right? And it was so hard. And even when I came home, you know, it was hard. And so looking back on that, and I think about what it is that I wanted so desperately back in those days was that I wanted that tutelage. I wanted that mentorship. And I wanted somebody to believe in me enough to say, Nah, let's take him seriously. He actually might have a great idea. And if we actually water this, then there's going to be someone else is going to put bring the, some sun to it and maybe can grow into be a, you know, a nice plant that we all can see grow into a tree. Right. There's other men and women that are sitting in these sales that are like they are hungry and thirsty for that experience. Um, and, 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 and I think that all of us. The, especially the ones who have the compassionate, you know, desire to want to serve in this way, right? We have the value added way, the benefit, like, and it lives in us. It's nothing you have to go study for. The things you do every day, they're mothers who who are excited about rejoining their children when they come home, and they don't know what that relationship is going to look like when it, they left their children with small children, and then they're teenagers, right? They want to meet other mothers who've had those kinds of uh, you know experiences with maybe adopted, you know, parenthood or something like, like they want that. So bring your experiences to the table and allow for that compassion to live in certain ways. We wanted to do it with the Flick Shop School of Business and we're excited where we're, we're building out there too. So the, the Flick Shop School of Business, what is that? Yeah, so it's a three-week um, three week course. It's an introduction to entrepreneurship. We take it into local, um, local facilities um, and then we train people inside of, um, entrepreneurship. Now, here's the thing. It's only three weeks. What it really means, we take these soft skill lessons. We take these soft skill lessons like um, this is how, this is what you do when you know when you're going into a job interview or this is how you prepare to answer questions about your incarceration or this is why it's important to talk to people about your, you know, your, 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 um, um, your goals and how to even articulate them. This is the difference between leading goals versus lagging goals. This is how you build a system for waking up in the morning and building a routine. This is what the FICO score is. And so we and we leverage like the business to be able to tell that story because the, the one of the main identifiers inside of most prisons is like the talk of money or some form of entrepreneurship, right? The desire for it. Even if you don't want to be an entrepreneur, right? Even if you want to be an entrepreneur at some organization later on in your life, there's something about, you know, the hustle, right? And and, and, and allowing my own story of talking about how like, look, I, my, my first interest into, you know, the business community was me selling blow pops at school. It didn't graduate later on into me selling um, bell bags of weed to my friends at school, into high school. And then later on, it was like, yo, this weed is like, it's, it's like, too much of it in my pockets in crack is so much smaller. And so I went and bought an eight ball for $125 and chopped it up on my man Nintendo cartridge for $300 and went on a, you know what I mean? Right. Because I'm able to articulate that and I'm able to leverage that kind of story and talk about how I was building a market and how I was leveraging a product and how I was building product market fit with the product. Next thing I know, I got people on the record y'all talking about product market fit, which is the dopest thing in the world, right? Because, you know, you got dudes, you know what I mean, saying like, yeah, you know, I'm working on my marketing strategy for so-and-so, so-and-so. And awards look at it like they're crazy. Like, you work on your marketing strategy. Like, listen, when we talk about inbound, like, here's my inbound strategy, and now I have my outbound strategy. And as I think about what I want to do with my t-shirt business, I have to think about how I'm going to be gathering people with my SEO. And awards be like, SEO? And, right, and, and so it's an interesting conversation that's had um, after they graduate from that three-week class. Now we have the four-month class that is a um, the four-month class is out in the community. It's centered around web development and coding because we know that inside of the tech spaces, um, no one really cares if you got a felony. And I want to be able to bring more people inside of the tech community because one, it pays really, really well. And also it's the place where they, you know, not only can you be a consumer of all of these products that we talked about, the Instagrams, the Facebooks, and all that, but you can also learn how to be a creator of these products. 
um, people have great ideas and we want to be able to help give you the tools to actually build the tactics to building them. You know what I mean? Technically, how do you make that happen? Um, and we want that to happen inside of our four month program. And all of that is listed at, um, it's outlined at flickshopschoolofbusiness.com. Wow. So anyone could just go on flickshopschoolofbusiness.com and, and apply to take part in the school. Yeah, so we typically, you know, so what happened was typical markets, right? Like you want to start doing these awesome initiatives, right? And then we started growing too fast. Um, it was dope because, you know, people, you know, like next day I knew people were like building businesses and they had great, you know what I mean, experiences. We had 141 students um, and, and that was awesome, right? Like, wow. And so what, what ended up happening was um, it wasn't our core business model. And so we started collaborating with other practitioners inside of the space um, and we became contractors for them. And so the our newest uh, cohort members of the Flickshop School of Business are typically coming from um, a collaboration with a local organization that also has some type of, you know, uh, related mission around reentry, uh, recidivism prevention. Uh, currently, our partnerships are with local organizations uh, like Free Minds Book Club here in Washington, D.C., some organizations um, out, uh, up in uh, Connecticut um, with my one of my best friends, Dwayne Betts, who happened to be my co-defendant when we first got arrested. Um, and so we're, we try to partner with others and it, it lowers our workload and we can still be, mean, you know, do the meaningful work. That's awesome. Let's take a quick break, y'all. This is going so fast. This is such a fast hour. Uh, Let's take a quick break and run an ad, pay some bills, and come back and keep going in just a minute. This hour of the Startup Radio Network is supported by Bridges to Change. Bridges to Change's mission is to strengthen individuals and families affected by addictions, mental health, poverty, and homelessness. They use their voice and resources to stand up to all forms of discrimination, mass incarceration, barriers to health care, and inequitable economic opportunities. Bridges to Change's goal is to empower people to be self-sufficient and become members of the community, who in turn offer the same opportunities to help others. They strive to have everyone leaving their organization with stable housing, social support, sustainable employment, education, access to health care, family engagement, and goals for the future. To get involved, donate, or to get help, make sure to visit www.bridgestochange.com. Welcome back to Phone Podcast. If you're just joining us, our guest today is Marcus Bullock, CEO of Flickshop, the app. Uh, it's spelled F-L-I-K. S-H-O-P. Um, so, Marcus, can you tell us a little Thank bit about... Thank you for that clarification, uh, Dick, man, because most people add the C <laughs> to Flickshop. So, uh, Flickshop with no C. I appreciate it. Were you on the fence at all when you came up with the name? Like, do I, do I add a C? Do I do no C? Like, because, you know, most I apps actually, have kind of- You know what? True story actually was. We were going to actually add the C. We were actually going to add the C and um, because phonetically, you know, you had the C, right? You know what I mean? Um but then as I continued to write it, it didn't feel right. It just didn't, it didn't feel right. It felt, it felt clean. It felt stupid. It felt long. It just didn't feel right. Um, and so we dropped the C, kept the K and was like, this is it. It looks better visually. Visually it looks, I mean, it's great when you see it, it's like, Oh, and it's easy to remember. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Pops for sure. Um, can you tell us a little bit, uh, what exactly are FlickShop Angels? So the FlickShop Angels, so we built the FlickShop Angels out of, um, uh, of a partnership with uh, John Legend and his uh, Free America Fund. And it was a result of a program that we had launched in partnership with New, New Profit, where we were able to expand the offering out to people who wanted to be able to contribute um, to our family members in meaningful ways but they didn't know anyone that was incarcerated. And like, look, Marcus, I love FlickShop and the mission of it, the purpose of FlickShop, but I don't know anyone in jail. So how can I help? And, you know, we were like, you know what? There's so many kids that want to send more and more selfies to their moms and dads. And if I could get every kid that has a mom or dad in jail to send like five seven selfies every day to them and flood their mom and dad sales with an astronomical amount of love, like my whole life would be made. Right. And so we figured out a way to be able to partner with John. Um, John bought a 
bunch of flick shop credits. Um, and we gave them out to a bunch of families over the Christmas holidays a few years ago. Um, and then uh, we went ahead and said, you know, well, let's scale this thing up and allow for our entire community to be able to partner. It's just not just the celebrities that want to be, you know, the philanthropists in this in this space. Right. The everyday, you know, neighbor next you know, next door wants to say, hey, you know what? Maybe I don't have, you know, a thousand dollars like John Legend, but I do have a hundred bucks. I do have 20 bucks, right? And I would love to contribute to a family. That's something meaningful that I can do. And I know it's impactful in a real tangible way. And so uh, we built out FlickShopAngels.com um, so that community members can do exactly that. They can purchase FlickShop credits. Uh, we put them on FlickShop gift cards and we give them to children with incarcerated parents. That's incredible. That makes me emotional. Seriously, I mean... That means so much. I mean, it's just, I think about, you know, Mother's Day in prison. Of course, I was in women's prison. So Mother's Day and just how, what a sad day it was, you know, and we'd all try to bolster each other up and happy Mother's Day, everybody and everybody, but I'm getting chills just thinking about it. It was the saddest day, you know, and to have the opportunity to, like you said, just flood somebody's cell with just extra, extra love. I mean, that is it's powerful. It's more powerful than people even realize the thing. One of the things about prison is it really makes you appreciate the small stuff, right? Like the smallest thing, something that smells good, something that looks beautiful, something you get some piece of food that actually tastes good. I mean, it's just these tiny little moments that become really, really important. And it's, it's a lesson that we could all use. We're all overwhelmed with an abundance of privilege, all of us really in America, right? To some extent or another. And, you know, we could all remember how important these small things are and to be able to contribute a few bucks so that somebody can send photos to a family member. That's just, it's big work. Oh, thank you so much, Meg. It it is, it is. it, It is one of the things like, you know, my mom, you know, She's a proud flick shop angel and she brags about it. And like that's that that's 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 awesome. How proud of, of you is your mom now? <laughs> you know what? These are great days for my mom. <laughs> you know, I put my mom through hell. Like, you know what I mean? Like, when I think about the uh, pain that it must have been, I mean, I was 15 when I went to prison. You know what I mean? And like the way that they treated me, because, you know, they certified me as an adult, like, a month in, you know what I mean? And so, like, I went through the process as if I was a 35-year-old man facing a life sentence. Like my That's criminal. Like, that was, like, that was my world. And so, thinking about the lady that had to take off of work and stand behind me in every one of those corporate proceedings, listening to me ramble on on to talk about an update sheet that's pointing toward a release date that's so far in the future that the internet is it hasn't existed yet to be able to check it on a regular basis you know having to go through a visiting day every single weekend and knowing that all i want to do is like hold your son and if you know if you hold him that the ceo is going to terminate that visit and be like you have lost your mind but even though it's his 16th birthday his 17th birthday and you can't take them back home with you. And you know that that's your life for the next several years down the pipe. And now to be able to have those moments where she can like come over my house and like play with my kids and like she can look at me and like in a different light, like even when I'm not paying attention, like I'm on a work call and we're talking about these kinds of partnerships and collaborations and the impact that we're driving out of the work that we're doing. And now she's remembering that it all started because she decided to write me letters and send me pictures when I was sitting in a cell. Like my mom saved my life. There were, you know, like me, she literally saved my life. And now like, she's like, she's sitting on my sofa playing with my kids and just watching the remnants of it. Right. And it's magical for our whole family. That's so beautiful. I mean, it's to the point in this culture where it's scary to send your kids to school. Imagine sending your kid to an adult prison. Mm. I mean, it's unthinkable. So God bless your mama. She did good. Yeah, yeah. I'm so grateful for her. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, so when you got out... uh, I mean, it, it seems like you just had that work ethic instilled in you from day one for some reason. It said that you uh, you put out, you submitted 142 job applications before you were able to land 
a job at the paint shop that you got a job at? Um, 40, for, 41. 41. So 41 applications. And, and, and um, Duron was, uh, the paint store was number 42. Oh, okay. I'm yeah. like, I'm here for you. I only noticed because like that was a grueling time and like I was still journaling because like so my mom like when I was in right she was like I couldn't I, I didn't know how to articulate my emotions like I couldn't like I was 15 you know what I mean like I didn't know how, I didn't understand how to articulate and I was exploding with emotion but I couldn't right and um so my mom she was like she coached me so hard on writing on, on writing inside of a journal. She was like, yo, just try as hard as you can to write as much as you can every night before you go to bed about your day and what you're thinking every night. And so I did that. And so um, when I came home, I was still like, I had a habit. Like, you know, it was a habit by that time, right? Like literally like clockwork. So it was like a habit. I was naturally just looking for pen and paper to, to journal. And so I was just journaling these different businesses I was applying at jobs for. And yeah, it was job number 42. Where um, where it finally they they it was the first forty one was like yeah you know dude you tripping you you had a felony you know goodness well you knew you had a carjack when you came in and didn't apply for this job kick rocks it wasn't the job number forty two that was like all right well let's figure out how to be more humane I guess I don't know but on their job application not only did it say have you been convicted of felony but it said have you been convicted of a felony within the last seven years. Um, I just served an eight-year prison sentence, so psh, nope, I have not been convicted of a felony within the last seven years. And yeah, let me get that. And they gave me, a, they gave me a job. I couldn't believe they gave me a shot. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing. Um, and and luckily that all worked out like that. But uh, you know, it's important for people to be motivated. One thing that I think we're all kind of uh, aware of is everyone out there right now listening. Everyone kind of always seems to have a great idea for an app. But no one ever knows how to develop, but actually go through the process of developing an app and turning it to reality. Uh, what advice would you give to, to people right now, kind of that might have a good idea but don't know how to go about actually materializing that to something substantial? Don't look forward to this type of. The thing of it is, is that people want to accelerate and fast forward to this moment right here when you ask me this kind of question, yeah. and they think that I had the idea yesterday, right? Like you didn't ask me that you had no idea I existed and had no desire to have me in in ask me this question seven and a half years ago. Seven and a half years. We launched Flickshop in 2012. Wow. In June of 2012. That's when we launched Flickshop. And you know, first people were like, you know, while my first when I was trying to find developers, because I had like I had no idea I was doing, I was Googling how to build an app, right? And I was like calling around like, yo. I don't know what I'm doing, but can you build this app for me? They're like, why you want to write people in prison? I'm like, well, clearly you're not the right company for me. Click, and now I'll go to the next one. And I'm like, you know, and then some other people, they will give me these crazy, crazy numbers. But I was persistent. And the thing of it is, the difference between me and a lot of people that I meet now, I'm blessed to be able to meet a, a ton of amazing business leaders from all around the world. And, and and you know, they graduated from some of the best schools in the world, around the world, and they don't have the the, the fearlessness that I have when I walk into, look, I was already counted out when I came home. No one thought that I was going to be a successful CEO of a tech company. No one in a million years would have bet on Marcus being this, really, Marcus, that dude. Like, dude, I was 23 years old and after coming home after not even being able to explain why I've been for almost the last decade of my life after having a ninth grade education, right? Like, I was definitely not most likely to succeed. And so because of that reality, um, I walked out, I walked out there like, yeah, I mean, y'all bet the likelihood of me failing is so high that if I fail, I'm at par. You know what I mean? So I would just jump out the window and build a parachute on my way down and be like, yo, worst case scenario, I fail. Worst case scenario, I would already fail. You know what I mean? Like already count me as a failure. So everything was up from that point forward. And what it allowed me to do is. Um, it allowed me to take that, that fearlessness and go approach every day and be like, look, dude, you, you, you mad because somebody told you no, that they weren't going to download your app, bro. You was trying to sell honey bonds two for three and D building just a few years ago. The audacity of you to be beefing about this. Like, are you really, you know, Andy and Spider will cut their right arm off right now to have your kind of problems. Seriously, get back to work get back to work. And then the next day when you had those kind of problems again, you'd be like, for real? So you really going to complain? You really complaining? You ain't got to go off for parole next month. 
You good. And for real, for real, Marcus, if you are keeping it a real, a hundred with yourself, you told yourself back when you was in C building, if they ever pop these doors, all they got to do is pop the doors and I'm a blah, 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 blah. Right. Now you home. Now they need to pop the doors. Are you blah, 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 blowing? You're not, are you? You know why? Because it's hard. Because if every, because if you wanted to blah, 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 if everybody would do it if it wasn't hard. So if you want to actually do all that stuff, then you need to go put your grind to the metal. Let's go get it. Every single solitary date, just like you walked that eight-year bed down. Man, I, <laughs> you're absolutely right, man. I, th- I think you might want to... Maybe take a little time and start up a, like a little uh, motivational speaker company as well, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think you might miss your calling on that too as well. Well, you're doing nah, it bro. in prisons. You're going into prisons and talking to folks, aren't you, Marcus? Absolutely. You know, it's one of the best things, right? It's like, yo, look, like I said, I, you know, I, I, I'm still trying to figure it out. And, I, you know, my, my, another one of my secrets, I, I lead with it. Like, look, I have, I'm letting y'all know from the get-go. I don't care what somebody introduced me with. I don't care all that stuff I sit on the board or doing all this stuff. I don't care about what you read about me, none of that. Let me tell you something. I have no idea what I'm doing. I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing. Every single day, I wake up and I flip open my laptop and I try to figure out a way to turn a blinking cursor into impact. And I have no idea how to do that. And there's no one to guide my steps to do it. The thing about entrepreneurship, see, when you work for someone else, there's someone to tell you, these are the 10 steps you have, things you got to do to be successful. You go do those two things, 10 things, you're successful. You get raised, you get promoted, you keep going on, right? When you're an entrepreneur, you wake up in the morning, there's no one to tell you anything. You they looking at you like, yeah, you, this one on you, homeboy. What you going to do? You know what I mean? And and having having that to be able to um, help self-motivate is one of the things that forced me to get out of bed in the morning. And, and it's exciting. I mean, I'm grateful to be able to have, you know, something I'm working on that's meaningful to me. Um, but, you know, they're definitely filled with some challenges. Hey, of course, man. What did I, I like say? Telling, I, I like can't think of the quote. Sales. For sure. I can't think of the quote right now exactly, but it has something to do with, like, so many people have talent. So many people have good ideas. But the people that really get things done are the ones that actually do do it. Because it isn't talent and good ideas that get you anywhere. It's actually doing it. And I would add to that, particularly for folks that are incarcerated, like you said, people incarcerated, I've taught entrepreneurship inside of prisons as well. The drive, the ideas, the enthusiasm, it's all there. Those people often don't have the other thing, which is they may have the work ethic, they may have the drive, but often they don't have the support. And so, you know, when folks like you or me or Dick, we go out, people that do organizational work, to be able to even that one time look somebody in the eye and say, you can do it. You know, you're human. I did it. And mirror that humanity and that possibility for people that potentially have never had possibility mirrored to them at all. Their best and highest understanding of success is only in the context of the tools they've been given, which often isn't a lot for folks that end up in jail. No question. I mean, we all know that that there is no, you know, talent is, there's no lack of talent. Talent is definitely distributed equally. It's the access and opportunity that is not. And and, and we we know that. One of the things I I like to tell my students at FSB, though, is that, you know, I want you, I want to say that over and over again so that we all know it and we understand it. It's almost like highlighting racism, right? We know it. We know it exists. We know it's there. Now, more and more people are, you know, are beginning to actually admit that, like, holy crap, it really is. I mean, I guess, you know, right? And there's, right? And so now, it, it, what I'm telling about entrepreneurship is that, like, we all know that, that that's a big issue. Now, now we know it. The one of the things that, you know, if you if you realize that and you know that you're going to need this kind of social capital, I mean, one, I want to be able to be one of the ones that lend it to you, but there aren't going to be, Marcus isn't going to be able to touch every prison backyard, not all 2.3 million people that sign these sales all around the country, and especially not all 11 million of them that are around globally. And so as I think about, you know, what, what needs to happen, when you do figure out a way to be able to execute, like literally take your system, say what you're going to do, think about where you want to go, right? 
and then work your way back and you plan out that vision and execute when you the people that you're going to meet along the journey and this is specifically for people that are sitting in sales because we're we learn the learned behavior is that the people that we meet along the journey are not going to be the ones that are there that, are going to, that, can, that can help and support us one of the core messages that i want to be able to deliver to some of my students at fsb is to stop trying to protect your idea like it's your baby the reality of it is that ideas are golden and the ideas are what are going to shape the new things in the future but it's the ceo's ability to execute on those ideas that's going to differentiate them between them and everyone else how many times have you been sitting down on your sofa and you were watching tv and you were like oh i had that idea remember i was telling someone you know why because when you had that idea you didn't wake up the next morning and do something about it and then the next day after that do something again and then the next day after that and the next day after that and build the the micro the micro habits that it takes to be able to take something from an, an experiment or a project to an actual business. And, and I think that that's one of the core messages that I like to tell people, because when you do that, what you'll learn is that when you, you'll attract all of that social, that social capital that you're looking for, you'll start to attract it. Because now you have a system that you're working on, you're consistent with it, and people want to help that. People want to help that. And if you if you if you if you follow that guidance, I think that most of us will go from oh I had a good idea to actually learning what the executables need to be, and then learning how to be able to leverage that social capital in order to be able to continue to scale your growth. That's real shit. So, Marcus, is it true that you visited the White House and discussed criminal justice reform? <laughs> so, yes. And here's the thing. <laughs> Like Tell us about it, that. That's what you got to put the disclaimer on. You know what I mean? <laughs> Which White yeah, House? I did. It was it was doing forty five's administration. Um, this is you know they the White House called me and they wanted me to come to the White House and um, talk about uh, what's happening around justice reform topics. And, and um, while I was very apprehensive um, about going to you know because of my own political opinions of what I see happening in the world. Um, today, not just in the country, but in the world today, as a as as as, as a result of what's happening inside of the by current administration's White House, um, and, and I'm like, nah, Marcus, man, it's bigger than you. There's a there's a, a, a an entire country that needs to see someone that looks like you that has the background that you have that are able to talk about the successes that will help change the dinner table conversations and dinner tables you'll never be able to reach ever. Right. And as I think about what happened, because let me tell you what, well, you know, when policy decisions, policy is desire is, is I mean, policy decisions are made at those dinner table conversations. And, and, and if we think about how what it's going to take in order to be able to really change um, what we need to see in the, in the justice system and, and not just in a reform um, in, the, in the reform spaces, because I'm an abolitionist, but um, in, 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 in abolitionist meaning specifically abolishing mass incarceration. Um, I want to figure out, you know, ways to be able to leverage my voice and my company to, 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 to do that. And, and I had the opportunity to do it at the white house, which was, how was it interesting? It sounds like an amazing experience, honestly, and maybe even a more amazing experience because it's sort of a weirder time. It, it seems to me from this perspective that it almost means more, Right. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, the cool part, I mean, I don't care who the president is, having the president of the United States call your name and your company's name from the biggest podium in the world is magic. It's not um, small. That's an honor. Yeah, it's magic. Um, also, knowing that I sat in some of the same chairs that Martin Luther King sat in when he went to the White House to fight for at what his at his time was the biggest civil rights issue of that era, and knowing that you know mass you know mass incarceration laws and how we think about what needs to happen in the justice system is probably arguably the you know was one of the biggest civil rights issues you know now combined with you know our concerns around police you know police brutality. Um, but uh, one of the times, and, and I think about how you know how how important that is for for me and for my family, for for my legacy 
Uh, I mean, one of the things that we want, I want to leave this country with and leave this world with is how much I was able to help and contribute, um, especially specifically inside of this space uh, where we're locking up so many black and brown people. Um, and so if I'm being very, very intentional about reducing recidivism and knowing that that's the mission, my overall mission of my company and my own personal brand, uh, then I will, you know, I look back on that time as one of those probably pivotal moments in, 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 in my life. You're doing the right thing, man. Um, one thing I wanted to kind of end this on is, uh, so the prison phone business is a hundred, uh, $1 billion generated business. Um, are you concerned? Someone's getting incredibly wealthy off the, the prison phone business, of course, uh, multiple people, I'm sure. Are you concerned at all? They might try to, gouge you or try to copycat you at all with uh with flick shop just nah man i mean you know if they do and they figure out ways to be able to make it affordable for our families then first of all we all win right the families win right the other thing i say to you know to, to those spaces is um if you know how we think about innovations are not going to they're, they're going to outpace what the majority of these companies do these companies are profit first um, and then product second, right? Yeah. We're family and impact first and then revenue second. And so how we think about the kind of business that we want to be able to build, it will allow us to be able to bring the innovations that will probably allow them to probably be even more successful down the road. There will be other brands and companies that will leverage our technologies for years to come. Um, and not just our families, like our families is where we start. That's where we learn. That's where we create the most engagement because that's where the impact lies for us. We have a very, very clear mission to reduce recidivism and we want to leverage technology to do that. But along the lines, it will continue to grow and we'll figure out ways to empower others uh, to be able to create not only communication technologies, but how we think about delivering healthcare options or how we think about bringing education and facilities. We want to help power that and we're excited about uh, where our company is going. Yeah. I'm excited about it too, man. And thank you so Likewise. much for doing that. Uh, thank you. Thank you guys for, <laughs> for inviting me. I'm, I'm, I'm super pumped. I'm a pro. I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to, uh, to making it, you know, making this a regular thing. Yeah, man. Love that. Yeah. Great guest, man. Really glad to have you on the show today. Uh, look forward to having you on the show again, hopefully. If that's cool. Um, just to round things out, man, the guest today, Marcus Bullock, CAO of Flick Shop, F-L-I-K-S-H-O-P. Download that app. Please, as always, remember, I know you got time right now. We're still going through the coronavirus. It's imperative to write and talk to your friends and family that are currently incarcerated. Right now, you have no excuse to not send them a picture. Download the Flick Shop app. The first one's free. Send it out. I guarantee you get hooked. I downloaded it. I'm going to send a couple out. And uh, also, don't forget Flick Shop School of Business. I'm really excited to hear more about that and seeing that progress. Um, Flick Shop Angels. Shop Angels, too. Yeah. If you don't know anyone in prison, you can contribute to folks that need you to help them buy credits for their family. And now is the time, especially, too. Um, again, thank you so much, Meg. Thank you, Alon. Thank you again, Marcus. And remember, tune in every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time at StartupRadioNetwork.com. And we'll see you next week. Peace. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.